Yeah. There we go. Sometimes, sometimes it's just hard to stop. Inside today, um, been on this pad and practicing German kind of German technique. Wrists only, no, no forearm. Also trying to play these doubles. Yeah. yeah. It's a gel pad. Zero. Zero rebound. And then Just sort of, um, yeah, no, using no fingers, so just trying to do it all wrist, you know. It's interesting, different sounds, different sounds. <clears throat> it's all good. So it's kind of in keeping with the theme of today's <clears throat> ramblings. Um, hello, by the way. Welcome back. Sorry, that was a slightly unprofessional introduction, you know. You're supposed to introduce, aren't you? Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. I mean, my assumption is if you've turned it on in the first place, then uh, you've already welcomed yourself into the world, haven't you? You've made a decision to listen, so therefore you're going to get what you're going to get, which is normally very relaxed vibe. Um, I had a couple of people who are quite new to this recently have messaged me saying that um, the podcast is akin to um, some sort of, um, you know, new age kind of relaxation tape, you know, um, the voice, my voice has got this kind of vibe. Maybe I've maybe I missed my career, maybe that's what I should have been doing, having some sort of weird sort of um, transient background music going on or something you know and then it's just sit back relax I don't know why I'm changing my voice because uh, apparently I don't need to change my voice so just uh, yeah sit back relax take your mind away from the uh, the events of today and Take yourself to another place, somewhere that has positive memories, positive vibes attached to it. Imagine you're there right now. Just imagine in that place how it feels, how it smells, how it sounds. It could be a place that it's from the past, the memory. It could be somewhere that you go regularly. Anyway, sorry. I was even tripping out on that then. Uh, I do actually have a, I have a thing I got off a YouTube video um, years and years ago. Um, it's like a visualisation um, exercise thing that you do and it's, very, it's about 15 minutes long and it's, I find it really useful. If I'm not sleeping well, um, uh, and the guy's voice is very good. He's a, he's, a, he's a medical person, but he does this thing at the end, and it's just he's got this kind of very relaxed voice, you know. 
and uh, I always think about that sort of vibe when um, I'm trying to sort of switch my brain off, you know, and try and switch it off from in the moment and put it into a different moment, you know, because that's kind of what it is, isn't it, you know? Taking yourself out of the, the sort of stressful moment and going into a, a moment where you can attach positive things to. And that's kind of, you know, playing's like that, isn't it? And that's why they were, people always took akin to this thing of... You know, well, playing is is like meditating. People say that a lot, don't they? You know, I think some people say it and they don't know what that means, and um, that's fine. I think uh, I think the idea of it, though, the sentiment of it is correct. You know, if we're playing in a in a good headspace and we're we're listening and we're not thinking about what we're doing, then um, it can have that that kind of feeling. You know. Um, I was reading this week, somebody I, I've known for a long, long time posted something on the social media about uh, a venue that uh, we both played at a lot. And uh, he used to play there a lot when I, when I did as well, actually. We used to, we were both people that were the, um, you know, the victims of getting fired from a, a house band, you know, several times. And, and uh, you know, we all got fired and then somebody else, the local drummer, would end up, you know, doing it for a while. They'd get fired and another local drummer. And there was about four or five of us that went in a circle and were fired and rehired, you know. And it was just normal. No one took offence at being fired because it's all the nature of... Um, that kind of situation, you know, and it was fine. It was the nature of the person that ran the band wanted the music to be in a certain way, and I actually think, I think we were all fired for the right reason. I always felt like I was fired for the right reason, you know, uh, and, and rehired for the right reason, but, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? But I remember he was describing on this, uh, this post about having out-of-body experiences in that venue, you know, uh, playing music, uh, at that time and um, yeah that's not an experience I ever had but I did have I have I do have a specific feeling uh, that's when things are really working right and I was thinking about that today when I was practicing on this pad you know because it's sort of um, I don't know if you thought about this when you're practicing something in this room like obviously not in this room but in a room when it's quiet and you can hear everything then we go and play on a gig and you can't quite hear everything as well and you find it hard to kind of uh, play that thing because you can't hear it like you can hear it when you're practising. So then we get into this thing of trying to feel it through the arms, you know, feel it through the legs, like literally feel what it's like to play that thing, not necessarily hear it. And um, the thing I always feel when, I, when I'm playing... I feel like I'm playing well, I'm playing happy, I, I, I call it, playing happy. Um, both those things are going on. You know, I can hear and I can feel at the same time. Um, so I feel like I can be very expressive, you know, I feel like I'm pretty on top of things. Um, anyway, yeah, I already went, well, that went off as some kind of rambly thing. Anyway, yeah, so I've been, you know, I've been compared to being like a meditation video um, meditation tape kind of voice thing you know which is fine and if that's um, that makes you happy that's good that's good um anyway welcome to this i've already said that sorry um been going on now for nearly i mean i was playing at the beginning of that for like three minutes i'm going to cut some of that out you won't hear all that nonsense by the way you'll probably hear a very short fade in 
Um, but yeah, it's um, it's nice to be back. Sorry, it's been I don't know. I haven't got any idea about whether or not I'm within the two week window or I'm a week late. Kind of lost track of things a bit as usual. Um, that's fine. Sorry about that. But that's just kind of the way it is at the moment. I'm afraid. Very busy things. Lots of things going on. So trying to sort of stay on top of things and too many things going on really. But that's fine. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been kind of doing a little bit of practice the last few days. And last weekend I did some practice as well. And I was, uh, I didn't get around to doing this actually. Last week I was going to record an episode last weekend regardless, but didn't get around to it because of the subject of today's thing and, and, and a sort of reflection this week upon um, how convinced I was of something last weekend and having come back to the drums this weekend and been like, what were you doing, you idiot, you know? And then I got to thinking about about that process, you know, um, which I've thought about a lot before, but I thought I'd share it on here um, because, you know, it might be something that you've been through or going through or, or, or experiencing now or have experienced before and felt kind of felt kind of confused by it or whatever. But, you know, the, the, the ramblings on here are all archive and they're all, the thoughts are designed to, even just sharing rambling nonsense, um, hopefully it might be something that, you know, that you've been experiencing. I get a lot, I get a lot of messages from people saying that they um, that they feel the same way about things, which is nice, you know. Um, every one of those messages I really appreciate. If you're one of those people listening that has sent me a message about that, um, I really appreciate those messages because, um, one, it feels like uh, something I've said has been uh, useful or helpful or just kind of um, expressing a, 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 a feeling or a view or, or something that somebody else has felt, you know, has, has kind of wanted to kind of come back to me and say, oh, I, I, th- I think like that about things, you know. It feels like if someone's sharing that, then it feels like that's a positive thing for them to... To, to come back and say to me you know that and 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 those you know someone that's sent those messages it's the same for me you know um it's that kind of you know i always describe this thing as the lonely journey you know and um you know i'm lucky i'm very lucky to teach some very good people you know and, and teach at a high kind of level i consider um a level that's you know it's quite geeky and and i that's kind of my place feels like the right place for me to be teaching you know um and especially where my head is at the moment and has been for the last 15 or so years so uh i get to share things in those situations but um you know uh, and some of it is two-way some of it's not two-way but to kind of have those those kind of i have a couple of friends who i talk to um, about drums regularly and, and those things are um, you know that's kind of sharing stuff and it breaks up the loneliness of the kind of practice thing and blah 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 you know so it's nice thanks I appreciate anyway anyone's messaged me and said that you know um, they see things and they, you know and they've had that experience or whatever blah 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 it's good um, 
and you know, I'd, I'd equally appreciate if people message me and say, "I think you know, you're talking nonsense, and um, it's all um, it's all rubbish." Um, because that will be interesting as well. Because that's actually what's happened for me this week with myself, you know. So just to you know, the experience of last weekend, uh, I had um, I went through a bit of a process. And uh, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But I just wanted to say, first of all, um, I don't normally do this, but I just thought I'd mention for anybody um, that has listened to the early episodes, um, I did this episode called Foundations. And um, one of those episodes is about this, um, as I joke, um, um, this is a kind of second pamphlet. Um, it's not a massive long book, so, I, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's more than a pamphlet. It's a 25-page book of specific sort of snare drum exercises and, and some exercises also on the toms as well, from snare to tom, thinking about movement. There's a little sort of preface thing in there. It's talking about how to approach the book, you know, and, and it's also the book is designed to uh, make you come up with your own exercises that are similar i don't want to i didn't want to make a book of a hundred pages with just every single different variation of i just think those books are hideous you know and 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 hard for people to kind of decipher and it's not very creative either i think if you're going to use a book you know i very rarely do the book i i I use the exercises in the book in different for, for different kinds of uh, things to practice actually you know and um, there's many famous versions of that and I'm immersed in in two of them pretty much all the time one is the syn- the Ted Reed syncopation stuff the, the syncopation sets two of which I use heavily for teaching but I also use it for practicing and then the other one at the moment which I've talked about from lessons I've had with uh, Mr John Riley um, is the stick control um, the first page the first column just that line of exercises and doing some very interesting uh, coordination exercises with my right, left feet and left hand whilst playing uh, time in the right hand. And, um, you know, a couple of people I'm teaching at the moment at college are practising some of the more kind of abstract versions of those. Uh, they're getting, really getting their teeth into it, you know. And um, there's a couple of pages of stuff from his book as well, which I've used in different ways to practice a specific thing. So, you know, I don't tend to do the book. I tend to use parts of the book to, you know... And and when I wrote this Foundations thing years ago, the idea was to sort of get people to think about the specific technical movements technically about how the hands are working, making a specific non-accident accented sound within a rhythmic shape and and then get them to kind of attach that to the technique they're using and then to to talk a little bit about movement because movement's really important we don't a lot of people don't think about movement they take movement for granted because we tend to play quite generically i think in in the early days and we never get out of that that generic kind of um, approach to the drum kit the, the, the the landscape you know we tend to think in one direction. We tend to think about um, sort of fill shapes that are in specific kind of order of events, you know. And then you get into playing, you know, more kind of uh, broken up music, which has, you know, like in jazz playing is, um, you know, sometimes in contemporary jazz playing, the playing can be omni-changing, you know. It's always 
ever-changing and so you're moving around the instrument in a very different way than if you're playing kind of what I'd say more kind of groove based or vertical music where you're playing groove, fill, groove, you know. And uh, and players that really get into that kind of mindset and think about that movement thing on the instrument uh, do do very well in other styles of music that's say more groove based, you know, they tend to have a more relaxed approach to that music and more fluidity and I talk about that a lot when I'm teaching you know about how how to get from the the home position <clears throat> you know if we're moving in a specific direction around the instrument or whatever you know there's a there's a there's a thing of getting back to the home position all the time and are you thinking about how you're doing that so so the foundations book anyway uh, blah 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 is out um, you can buy it um, it's really cheap like six pound ninety five or something, which I think is under it's under nine dollars. I think at the moment I don't know to be honest with you. Probably around that, and um, probably about seven eight euros. You know, really cheap. It's only an ebook. I am going to get it. It's it's going to be available on Amazon at some point soon when I help my well my partner my girlfriend has published a book, a very good book. She's selling on Amazon and she's done it through the Amazon publishing thing, which is brilliant. And they make the book for you. You get a royalty which makes things super easy for selling internationally, you know, which is my next intention is to, is to basically have the book available as a physical book on Amazon and, and do a little bit of marketing and stuff for it. Um, but that's not available at the moment. So if you want to buy it, uh, and I'd just buy it as an e-book at the moment, I, you know, just have it on an iPad or something, and then it's just easy peasy. Um, but yeah, but there, there will be a physical book coming at some point, which will probably cost a little bit more. Uh, well, in order to make any money out of it at all, it would need to cost a bit more because <laughs> the royal the royalty situation is um, it's a very small royalty on a book of a certain amount of money. You know, it's funny, really. How does anybody make any money out of anything anymore? It's crazy, you know. Um, you know. It's, uh, you get back to that the, the days of the record you know when people sold records and CDs and things and actually how much how, how little money artists made on the physical selling of an album you know but it was all all other things based upon other things you know that hopefully the money out of publishing and stuff is a kind of way but so then you publish your book and then the royalty's tiny you know so it's really funny really interesting it's all about volume isn't it and uh, let's face it you know my Rudiment Foundations book is never going to sell in great volume. So, um, you know, but I, I wanted it out there in the world because I wanted to sort of, uh, I wanted to finish it and just publish it. Um, and I have done. So if you're interested in that, Google Books, Google Play, it's on there. You couldn't, I couldn't find it at first, but after a couple of days of after posting, after it got verified, it was turning up in search. So if you search for Dave Walsh, if you just search Rudiment Foundations or both those things, you'll find my book pretty easily. If you search Dave Walsh, you will find it, but there's loads of stuff published by Dave Walsh, which looks like kind of sci-fi books or something, I'm not sure. But anyway, that's that, a bit of blah, 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 um, which, um, which I'm glad to get out of the way. So, yeah, just, like, you know, back to the thing of, um, of what this is about. So, yeah, last weekend I had this... I've been going through a bit of a, a kind of, you know, this is a regular thing, by the way, so this is nothing new. And um, and regular listeners or listener to this podcast will will remember the whole thing I've talked about, about seat height and getting into sitting at a specific height and committing to that thing. And 
and I've been very good with that um, for quite a long time. Um, part of that was to do with the 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 the, um, the situation of lockdown and, and turning that very negative situation into a positive with practice and sort of you know no gigs, so I've not got this thing of going onto a gig and going oh I don't feel comfortable putting the stool up and then it all goes to pot. You know it was there's no gigs, so practicing at home. Um, I was able to commit to a to a seat high, and then when I went out gigging, um, I pretty much stuck to that. Um, apart from one gig, which kind of was why I got back to this weird thing a couple of weeks ago and last weekend. But one one gig, a louder gig, I was considering sitting higher. Because I was, I was sort of struggling to connect down in the right foot because of the volume thing and, and wearing in ears and stuff. So I was feeling like I physically needed to get a bit higher so then I could sort of um, play heel up and play in a different way. But um, managed to kind of uh, managed to ride that out at the time and just stick to my guns a bit and was glad of it as well, you know. Um, and and sort of personally felt like I played that gig, having been out of gigging for nearly two years, you know, a year and a half certainly, um, and that that gig I hadn't done that gig for two for literally two years, uh, but I felt like I'd um, in fact it's longer than that, so yeah, two years two months, you know, so over two years. But anyway, it's all numbers and nonsense. Um, I'd felt like I'd yeah done a good job of. That gig, I felt like I'd done a better job of that gig than I'd previously done it, you know. Um, but I'm always quite hard on myself with those types of gigs because I don't feel like I'm great at that kind of music and playing that sort of thing, you know. Um, and then listen back to things and go, oh, actually, it sounds all right, you know. Um, and anybody that knows me, you know, plays me on those gigs will know how kind of hard I am, you know, on myself with that kind of music and I'm constantly trying to get better at that kind of thing the groove kind of thing you know and uh, feel a lot more committed and kind of ha and happy in that space actually these days you know even, especially with swing music feel like I've got a much stronger sense of swing time and feel now than I've ever had you know which is great you know I feel like I've really evolved and developed in that sense but last two weeks ago I was having these kind of thoughts about practicing more heel up stuff and which is physically not feeling it at the seat height I was at. So last weekend I spent ages messing around with seat height and height, making my seats really high and on my practice. I'm sat in my little practice kit here now. I've got my left my, my hi hat stand with the um, just with the clutch on it. Pad, gel pad. Which is the ride thing, and uh, bass drum practice pad. So this little practice kit, and uh, yeah, I, I, the seat was right up. And on the kit in there, I set the kit back. The kit hadn't been set up for ages, so I set the kit back next door, and um, and put the seat up really high and the snare and everything and. Yeah, just did some practice last weekend. And then this week was away and came back yesterday. Um, 
And in fact, I came back in the week because I was working at home a couple of days last week. Got back up here. I hadn't been up here at all. Um, I had a bit of a weird leak. I don't know what happened. But it, was ve- it was very, very windy here for quite a while, for a number of days, and very, very wet. Uh, but the winds were very, very strong with this storm, whatever it was called, something or other, um, in the UK. And there was a lot of rain. And, and the, where the shed, where the drum shed is, quite exposed. It's on the top of a kind of, you know, it's on the top of a. It's, it's, it's open to the elements very, very much so. And so, um, and I had, I had a leak. Uh, earlier this year, and, and that was repaired. Uh, chap came and uh, put a new roof on the front, and there was also a, there was a there was a, a break in the join between the old and the new structures. Um, so that was all repaired, and um, and but I did this gig on Tuesday, and um, when I got to the gig, I was I pulled all my sticks out because I was going to play with some mallets on a tune. And they were all wet. The bottom of the cymbal bag was soaking wet. So I thought, have I put the bloody bag down outside? I've got out of the car and put it in a puddle or something, you know. But the sticks felt like they'd been wet for a bit, you know. And um, all the cymbals, when I got them out of the bag, were all really, really condensation. They had loads of condensation on them. So the whole thing was really weird. Anyway, when I came back to the shed that night, the floor was wet just on the inside of the of the loading the door I load on the side next to um, which is the you know the, the on the other side where the drum kits lives um, and then they came up in the next day and pulled the tiles up and there's water underneath all the tiles so it's a bit of a nightmare uh, managed to get all that dried out anyway so I spent a couple of days up here last week trying to dry it out and doing a bit of practice and was immediately you know into this thing of like why was I doing this thing with the stool and went straight back down again you know and one of the things that really kind of reinforced this thing was on I did this gig on Tuesday night a really really nice gig um, it ended up being um, it's like one of the nicest gigs I've done for a long long time really 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 nice players and we were really playing well I felt like it was a good vibe you know it was just a pick up gig standards thing but with three people I really, really enjoy playing with. Um, and I felt like I was playing well, you know. I felt like I was really playing well. And uh, time was good and feel of everything, keeping good meter, you know, nothing was rushing and everything was really swinging and sort of solos and fours and things. I was kind of enjoying, I felt like I had quite a lot of chops and technique and, and I felt like I was getting around the instrument well, making a nice sound, felt super controlled with the with the sound. Drums sounded really nice. You know, I've just the last couple of episodes, as you know, I've done a sort of DIY episodes and you know, like the uh, the drums are just sounding really nice. And the drums in here, when I set them up again last week, they were sounding really nice, you know. Uh, well actually when I set up last Saturday, uh, last weekend, they were sounding really nice and snare was sounding great. So it was like all a bit of a nice vibe. So when I got back on on Wednesday, I was just like, whoa, hold on a minute. What am I doing with this stool thing? No, 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 no. Let's get the stool back down again. And let's just stick to your guns, Walsh, you know. Bloody hell, what are you doing? But then I got to thinking about this um, this idea about, like the title of this podcast is, you know, being open-minded and considering always 
giving yourself the chance and the space to consider other options or things that you feel like you want to explore and not ruling them out, you know. And it's that thing about allowing yourself the opportunity to change your mind, you know, and explore, you know, what that means and, and, and why you were kind of feeling like that about something. There's got to be a reason why. It's not, I wouldn't have thought it was just a whim. And it could be because you've seen somebody playing and you think, oh, that's a great vibe, we're going to try that and and getting drawn into that world, which is so super easy to do, you know, like get drawn into that world of like, oh, you know, oh, this person sounds great. I always, like I always say every, I think I say it's every episode, I always think people, that are, you know, that play the drums are good to always sound great, you know. So it's so easy to be like, oh, I want to sound like that. I want to get a bit more of that vibe in my playing. Why don't I sound good? Ah, all that nonsense, you know. But it's great to have that inspirational energy, you know. Um, but the thing that, the kind of conclusion that I came to very, very, it's just from, for myself, not that this is the end of the thing, but um, is that actually that process often kind of reinforces the uh, the initial decision that you made and it was actually the correct decision you know that you made i mean i thought long and long and hard about this seat height thing um as you know anyone that's listened to those episodes from you know a good i'd say two years ago um episodes around the kind of may june 2020 so sort of post-lockdown, maybe even earlier than that. I can't remember. It's all such a blur. I can't even believe it's that long ago, nearly. Because it's now, you know, we're now February, mid-February, nearly 2022, you know, blimey. Started these podcasts in um, October 19. Started recording this stuff. Um, and can't, sort of can't believe it. We're, you know, it's like two and a half, whatever years, um, two and a half years in, nearly now. Um and on this is episode 60, 62. So, you know, it's great. But it's uh, that the, that initial reason for thinking about this this sea high thing was not a whim thing. It was a it was a decision that was made over quite a long period of really thinking about it. And then there was a long period of um, the tape. You know, the tape measure, as I've talked about before, getting the tape measure out. And finding the height, and then there was a discussion I was having when I was having some of these lessons with uh, John Riley. You know, talking about sitting that that low, and he was quite surprised at how low I was sitting. And he, he didn't have an opinion; he just he expressed surprise at the at, um, at the kind of height I ended up at. Um, especially considering how tall I am, I, I have, and I have my my height is. A lot of it is my legs because I've got longer legs than I have body. You know, I've got these long, long legs. So, um, so I've always had this kind of weird thing of, of of my body is quite normal size in inverted commas. My legs are, are not; um, they're long legs. So, the, the 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 drum, the physicality of sitting at the instrument is always. I've always found it quite challenging. And I was talking to somebody this week about, you know, uh, I was saying about. I wish I had short legs. I'm always jealous of drummers with short legs because, you know, the drums, the feet are so close to the brain. They're so much closer to the brain than my feet are. My feet feel a long way from my brain, you know, which is why I always feel so uncoordinated on my feet. Um, you know, I, I don't like I don't like slippy surfaces. Or I just I just feel like I can't 
coordinate myself when it's slippy, you know, and um, useless at dancing and just lots of things where I always feel clumsy on my feet, you know, I don't feel light on my feet. And that was the thing Dave Hassel always said to me when I, when I had lessons and I was 17 with him. He said, you know, you should, um, you should always feel light on your feet when you're drumming. And I didn't really know what that meant, you know. I, I just didn't really, didn't make any sense to me what he was saying, you know. Because um, I always wanted to feel grounded, you know. So it was kind of contradictory to what I was thinking. But it, eventually over time I worked it out what he meant, you know. And it's just that thing of feeling like, you know, you're not lead-footed. <laughs> not, it's not, like, cemented to the ground. But, but you want to feel grounded. So you want to make sure that, you know, in that groundedness that you feel like you've got some flexibility and dexterity, you know. And coming to this decision of playing heel down when I'm practising... Uh, this is only when I'm practicing, by the way. I don't play heel down when I'm playing. I don't. I don't think about it when I'm playing. I've said that before, but I'll say it again. See, it's really important people don't misunderstand that thing. But when I'm practicing, it, I want to feel like I'm playing through um, through a fulcrum, through a um, through a pivot point, through something. So I'm actually playing the part because it's just coordination things, you know. And uh, so I ended up at this height, this 40, whatever it was, eight cent, seven, eight centimetres height. Um, and that's to sort of the edge of the stool, by the way. That's just sort of, to, you know, to the base, where the, where the stool base um, is uh, the, the lowest point because because you sit on the stool and you sort of squash the stool, don't you? So, um, yeah, it took ages to get to that. And I got to that point and it felt right, like the right height, and then I had this whole thing last week and just the week before of going higher and all this stuff. And, oh, I want to get higher again. Have I made the right decision? No, no, you know. And, uh, yeah, I did make the right decision. It's all fine, you know. But just so just in a broader sense of, um, of thinking about things, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe what I'm saying is completely obvious and... Um, and people, you know, view, have a different view of this than, than myself, which is totally cool, but just to say that, you know, I sometimes give myself a hard time about making these decisions, you know, about exploring and contradicting something that I've really thought about and thought, this is the right decision for me, you know. And actually... Um, I think it's good to go through that process. It felt like a good thing to kind of just to reinforce again. No, you did the right thing. This is a good thing. And so it sort of leads me to other things about technique and stuff, like um, today practising this thing where it's like match grip, which I've work, been working on on and off quite a lot because um, I'm trying to get better at match grip, you know, Still struggle a little bit with some movement things around the drum kit because um, I, f I play better match grip with in a sort of German position or with the sort of middle finger, this sort of, you know, that's that thing of the fulcrums in the middle finger, kind of free stroke thing. I, I, don't, I don't, still don't have a strong fulcrum even now I'm playing. Still don't have this strong fulcrum when I play. Thumbs up, you know, in in the in the outer joint of the forefinger. 
which is how I can now feel super relaxed in the right hand, and the left hand is like, I default to this, which is the German position. But I find it hard. Uh, I was practicing some things yesterday, some crossover things, and I was going back to traditional grip because just getting that left hand over the top of the right, down from the high tom to the floor tom, from the snare to the floor tom. Because <clears throat> I was specifically practicing some crossover things. You know, I, I'm not a massive fan of crossover, crossing over at all. Anybody that knows me, when he has lessons, has had lessons with me, or knows anything about my teaching, I. I'm often encouraging students to find solutions to to get away from crossing over and get into the hand leading thing. What I'm talking about earlier on about this idea of movement, you know, of being able to come back up the drum kit leading with the left hand if if you're right-handed and vice versa if you're left-handed, as opposed to crossing over with the right to come back up right leading from the floor tom up the toms back to the snare drum. Um, I think it's uh, it's really good to consider left leading back up the kit and finding sticking solutions that, that that mean that you're playing you know the opposite sticking to how you're getting going down the drum kit or coming back up the drum kit with the opposite sticking you know equality of hands. Um, whereas you know if you're crossing over then that's not an equal thing and it's also fraught with with stuff with issues because you're crossing over, but Having said all that, I still practice crossing over. You know, I quite like some patterns crossed over, but I like them for different reasons than that. You know, they feel like patterns that are crossover patterns to me. You know, but I was yeah doing some of that yesterday and uh, reverting back to uh, traditional grip because I don't quite have things in place at the moment with um, with the match grip. Um, you know, if I was if I was playing more with that open with the thumbs up and in the outer joint, the, 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 you know that joint, the end joint of the, uh, the, the forefinger in the left hand and the, you know, the thumbs up kind of position, then I would probably find that easier. I mean, it's, and it's, it's an ironic thing actually because you know when I studied timpani. Um, I studied with a few different teachers and um, my kind of favoured technique was with a guy called Paul Patrick who's, um, um, who plays in the BBC Phil North and, uh, and I was very lucky when I was at music school, Cheetons, uh, I, my last year Paul was brought in um, to teach me because I was having some conflict with a tutor that I had at the time who I, who I didn't really connect with at all, you know. Um, and, um, and I was very lucky that Paul came in to teach me classical percussion and then I got Dave Hassel to teach me drums. So I, I, I was really lucky at that time. And then, um, you know... Um, the thing that Paul really encouraged me um, was uh, looking at sort of German technique and three-finger dampening technique, you know, and, and and crossing over to specific points on the timps. And so I'd done all that. That's the Saul Goodwin. Um, is it Saul Goodwin? Goodwin. I can't remember the name of the book. Saul Goodwin. Goodman. Goodwin. I think. 
I don't know. The book's over there. I can't remember the name of it. Over all that stuff. The green. Is it green? I think it's green. Um, I feel like I want to go and look now because I have got the book around. I did find the book again recently because John Riley was talking about this book. About It's got some really good crossover techniques that, that do um, cross over, no pun intended, to the drum kit, which is why at the time I used to practice some of the stuff out of there on the drum kit because I felt like playing timps learning timps and, and, and studying like German technique and, and that stuff was really, really, I find it really helpful on the drum kit, you know. And I'd sort of forgotten that thing when I'd given up classical percussion, you know, and I stopped um, studying classical percussion in 1990 uh, when I left college. Um, I, I sort of put it all out of my mind, you know. The only thing that really remained for me was something that this guy, David Johnson, uh, sadly uh, no longer well, he no longer with us from 91 or 1990, he passed away. Uh, very, very good snare drum. He, he played in the BBC Phil in, in London. He was on my Teachers at Guildhall and he, he was a very good snare drum player amongst everything else. And he had this thing called lifting accents, this idea of, of coming away from the drum when you play, when you strike, coming back up to the start position and getting that getting that thing into your playing and I'd never thought about that before and then uh, after that looking at other players and the way that they get away from the instrument so that you're back where you need to play from um, that was one of the only things that stayed with me after that and then and then years later got better at it but it was something that you know when these things you get these little concepts or ideas something that somebody shows you or talks to you about or you you hear in passing and you make a kind of a note, a mental marker or a note like, oh, that's something that I need to explore when I have the time. Um, I don't have the time at the moment, but it's going to feel like it's quite disruptive at the moment, you know. Because some things, you know, if you're playing a lot, you're doing things, it's, it's hard to kind of get into a new thing because it's quite disruptive, especially if it's like a technical thing. And so there's, uh, you know, the idea of like, I mean, I was watching Vinnie when he, I was on, on one of these drum hangs... Uh, and Neil Wilkinson organised and uh, I think I talked about this quite a number of episodes ago but I was watching him Vinny had, he was playing a little bit on the on the video screen he had, he had his sticks in his hand and he was playing on pads and stuff but there's a bit where he's playing and he has hands quite high and you could see them and he was just playing these doubles and he wasn't playing into the pad he was playing away from the pad you know coming oh, oh, not that way but the opposite way playing back towards him and uh, again it, that feels the same thing to me same kind of idea not exactly the same but it, I mean, it's more just that the idea of remembering you know don't play into everything don't play into everything the energy's all going away from you the energy's traveling away from you and you're fighting against a, a surface that wants to send the energy back to you, you know. Um, and, yeah, I felt like I've got, been through quite a lot of periods in the last few years of really fighting against, fighting against the instrument a bit and forgetting about that thing, you know, that the instrument really does want to, to send the stick back to where it's come from in order for you to then start again, you know. I mean, that's not what everybody's technique is, and, and I don't play like that all the time, but it, I think that exploring that as an idea, you know, and understanding that as a concept is really valuable. 
you know, because then, then at least, you know, one's got their head around, you know, the idea that, um, that, that where the energy is coming from and where the energy is going to, can I harness um, as much of the energy that I'm releasing? Can I utilise that energy or am I going to lose all that energy you know and if you think about the potential and the kinetic energy thing you know in physics potential energy is there the stick is dropping it releases into the kinetic energy it creates a sound and then you've got that, that the hydro the, the, the members seen the thing of the hydroelectric dam you know when I was a kid and you know the, the this arrow the dams, the sluice on the little where the, where the water was going to go down this channel and 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 basically you know and make these things turn these turbines turn you know all this weight of water the potential energy of the weight of this water it wants to it wants to travel with gravity down a hill and so open the sluice gates and this water the kinetic energy is now release the potential into the kinetic energy and it's generates this force which is used to you know generate electricity and store and then and so it's kind of free energy in a way um you know and, and so drums there's a lot of that in drums you know in the the physic the physics of, of holding the stick and striking the instrument and the consequences of what happens and some drummers you see when they play they they go straight into the light you get people that are just you know when playing groove stuff and they hold the stick really, really aggressively and they go straight into there. And they, they play heel up and they bury the beater into the bass drum. And that's like, that's fine because I think the, the potential and kinetic energy of that is to create that sound, you know. And so I just think anything that's got intent behind it Remember this thing of Steve Gadd talking about intent, you know. Anything that's got the intent in it is generally fine because it's not being done blind, you know. It's not being done out of a kind of, you know, an inability to do something or an out-of-control element. It's being done because it's intended to be done. Uh, I talk a lot when I watch students practice and they don't sit properly and they do, and they have tension, manifestations of tension in their jaw, or in their face, or in their arms, or in their shoulders, or whatever, because they're kind of not compens they're compensating for someone else, and there's this manifestation of tension. And then you see some people who play in these really weird body positions, leaning over or whatever, or with their elbow in the air, but they're fine because it's an intended act, you know. It's intended either to, it's either a theatrical thing, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, a you know, an essential movement or, or something that looks a certain way to create a certain kind of drama or theatre, or it's done to create a certain kind of sound, you know. It's often both, actually, isn't it? Um, you know, someone's playing with that, um, in that kind of way with the arm, you know, high up elbow, and they're kind of getting, really digging into the ride or something. It has a particular look and it has a particular sound. The, f the physicality of that kind of movement has a particular kind of sound to me, you know. Um, but you can also, you know, uh, I remember years and years ago when we we did this gig 
um, when we were on tour and we had this noise limiter thing and um, you know we were, it was in Switzerland they have very strict laws on, on in gigs and they hand out you know ear protection you know I mean that's kind of everywhere in clubs and stuff but I just remember it was a real thing at that time because it was kind of it come into EU law and a lot of countries were you know the, there's the whole smoking ban thing because the smoking ban, you know, was it was put in place to protect employees. It wasn't to stop people smoking. It was just to protect, you know, employers getting sued by employees who who were kind of exposed to, you know, a toxic um, thing that could give them lung cancer or something, secondary smoke, you know. But also there's the whole thing legislation around about employees being exposed to high levels decibels of sound, you know. So. Um, that was something that kind of came across Europe in the noughties. Seemed felt like to me like it did anyway. And so I remember being on tour in 2010 and playing in these venues. And then we had this specific thing, you know, we got this paperwork through the tour manager. It was like, oh, Switzerland's got a noise limit. Oh, it's a bit of a weird one because we were playing on it. It was a, it was a, the only gig on the whole tour that was part of a festival. It was like we were in, invited to play on this festival, and we were just it was a, it was a one setter, slightly shorter show. And it was in this room, you know, and we had, and there wasn't a kind of the same line check. It was a different kind of vibe, and it was an odd gig. Um, and it was uh, like, uh, I mean, the, the, the thing I really remember about that gig was we had hotel rooms, you know, because they were putting us up, but we had a tour bus. Me and um, the bass player, Richard Hammond, he, he, it was funny, he just decided to sleep on the bus because it was just kind of used to sleep on the bus. And I, I had this whole massive hotel room to myself because we were sharing a room and it was a really, really nice room. But um, it was such a late night. We had the, we went out to this bar and it was a really, really funny, really good night. And then uh, I was determined to use this room even though <laughs> I don't think I got out of this bar till about 3am and then the bus was leaving at 9, you know, so I, I was determined to kind of use this room. But anyway, that's, I've just gone off on a tangent there, but um, they, 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 they had this noise limit and I remember we were discussing the physicality of playing with the noise limit and Tom was like, well, you know, you know, I still want you to look like you're hitting the drums hard, but you need to be like, you know, you need to make sure you don't. We don't play above hundred and um, I think it was hundred and ten uh, because we'd be fined. You know the fines were big, thousands of euros was the, were the fines. And the other guy stood next to the speaker, you know, with a noise meter. It was like farcical, really. But and it was farcical because they were providing um, earplugs for the audience. So it was like, well, you provided earplugs for the audience. Why? Why are you measuring the sound coming out of the speakers? It's up to them. It's up to someone in the audience if they decide whether they want to wear you know the ear protection or not if they want the full experience of the music then they don't put the ear, the earplugs in do they you know um it's like anything if you want to get you want to hear you want to, you want to feel that sound and you don't want an interrupted version of that or a sanitized version of it you don't wear earplugs do you we talk about i talk about this with friends and musicians all the time i have three sets of earplugs two minus 15 and one minus nine diaphragms you know and I really struggle wearing earplugs in any situation, even even playing. I mean, if I'm playing jazz and stuff, the quieter music, I, I just don't want to wear them, but I should wear them all the time, apparently, the 15s. I should wear them all the time to protect my ears. That's what I've been told by a professional, you know, a healthcare professional. 
but so we did this gig anyway and you know we were having to play and so I was having to like think about really hit look like I'm hitting the drums really hard and actually not hit the drums hard and it was really challenging but it was quite interesting exercise uh, again it's just another experience isn't it that challenges the you know, the way that we physically interact with the instrument you know and it challenges our view of how we're doing what we're doing you know and that's kind of what I'm saying today is you know you, you have that open-mindedness you know I'm open-minded to the idea of doing things this way let's see what it feels like to do it ah that doesn't really work for me but you know I'm glad that I went through that process um, and I was very close-minded when I was younger, so I feel like I've missed out on a lot of opportunities, you know, to learn more by being really single-minded about stuff. I, I wouldn't say close-minded, I'd say single-minded or on a one track, you know. And and part of that is it's hard enough to it's hard enough to do it anyway, isn't it? It's hard enough to find time to practice one thing well. And so to kind of have this kind of diversion all the time or whatever. Um, but I think it's good on occasion to to allow yourself that space and time to explore why you're having those thoughts or feelings about doing something differently or about experimenting with something in a different way. Because I say a lot to my students, you know, experiment, do experiment, make sure that you explore things, um, especially from a technical perspective. You know, if you're, um, you know, if you've got sort of, you know, a technical approach to the instrument, make sure that. Um, you're always aware of, you know, that it's doing what it, what it, you need it to do for you, you know. You're making the sound that you want to make, you're playing in, certain, in the way you want to make that sound you know, or that feel, you know. Because um, is that the, the idea of, you know, how one articulates a rhythmic shape. And I think I hear a lot of, you know, players that are like great sort of, coordinationally and technically but I don't hear a lot of emotion in the, in the articulation of their shape the shape of a phrase that they play it feels sometimes a bit literal you know and and they could really benefit from just stepping back from the kind of the um, you know the single I don't know what the word is, but the sort of singular approach to that line and thinking more spherically about that line, you know. Okay, I've got the rhythmical value of it sounding good and it's fast around the instrument and it's got all these things going on. But, uh, oh, nice little robin there. I'm a little, I've got these little um, perspex bird feeders on my window on my drum shed and uh, and he's put some food in them, actually, and... Um, it's been great. Got chaffinches and robins and um, wagtails, and uh, and they're a bit too small for the sparrows, which is good. But the chaffinches and the, the wagtails are beautiful. So it's um, but the robins are just a few seeds in there. It's a bit looking a bit grotty at the moment, but um, get it sorted out. But anyway, sorry, I just noticed that. But yeah, just that thing of like, okay, it's sounding. It's you know it's fast. It's this that and the other, but. Has it got shape, you know? Has it got some kind of... I always think of it as, has it got like a melodic shape, you know? Does it have a rise and fall of a natural melodic um, 
a melody, a phrase or a melody, you know, a phrase or a melody has, a, has, has height and dips and, and it should have a, you know, it's got a, it's got a character to it that tells a story. Are, are your lines and the articulation in your lines telling a story or are they just kind of replicating a, a pattern, you know? It's just something to think about. I, I, I'm always thinking about those things about how do I and, and it's that thing of how do you make that vocabulary your own, which we've we've discussed previously on this thing many many episodes ago. There's that stuff's buried in lots of episodes. Uh, I think there's one called How to Make Make Something Your Own, or what, I can't remember the title of any of these things. I don't even think about it really. Um, but yeah, just that open-minded thing anyway of of. Yeah, I'm not going to be closed, so closed-minded and singular about everything I'm doing. I'm going to just explore and then and then realise what a complete waste of time and fiasco. No, I'm not only joking, but just uh, realise that maybe something was was done for an emotional reason because I was feeling a certain way, or maybe feeling a bit insecure, or feeling like I couldn't kind of do something. But actually, when I come back to it, realise that you know, the, the path that I'm on and the way I'm doing things is actually fine, you know. And then it's just that, that thing as well of, if you, you know, if, you, if you're playing a certain type of music a lot and just that kind of music, it's very easy to settle into a thing. That's great. If you're playing lots of different types of music at different dynamics, which I, I tend to end up doing, I feel like I'm being pulled from pillar to post a little bit, you know, just with the kind of sound. And I'm sometimes thinking, oh, am I playing, you know... <clears throat> am I playing loud enough in this music or am I playing quiet enough in this music, you know? And they're all challenges. But I'm, I'm, I'm always grateful for that. I'm always grateful for those opportunities to be sort of playing lots of different types of music and, and the challenges of playing lots of different types of music. And You know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a really nice reading gig and um, it was really nice to, to go on that gig and do a good job of the reading and blah, blah, blah. Um... You know, I'm always grateful for those situations and always get nervous about them, always nervous about them. Um, as I've said before, you know, I never feel, you know, even like 50% secure, especially gigs like that when you're playing with people you don't know and you're playing with, you know, playing music you don't normally play and, and also music that you feel like you should know, you know. This is the, the thing about... Um, when you're a weirdo like me who was into strange music and wasn't particularly into kind of regular music. Um, and it was when I was a kid because we used to sit around and listen to the Top 40, which was on the radio as a family, you know. We used to listen to it every Sunday night and watch Top of the Pops every week on a Thursday. But the Sunday night thing was... I mean, I used to record the Top the, the top 40 thing as well. I used to sort of pretend that I was a DJ, you know, and I'd record it um, on tape. And uh, and then I'd listen back to it in the week, you know, that and 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 so was listening to a lot of that music in the, you know, the in the seventies, and then in the early eighties. But then I got into playing the drums, and then I got into, you know, I was still into kind of rock music and the Who and the Jam and and the, and, um, the Style Council and things like that. Um, those kind of bands, and then I got into jazz, and I feel like I just stopped listening to other, you know, other music. For long, for long, long time, like from the age of fourteen, thirteen, I got into Buddy Rich and was listening to all that stuff, and then got into kind of Jarrett and things when I was fifteen, you know, and Chick Career and 
and um, Mike Stern and all that stuff, you know, and uh, Brecker and fusion music and, and got into, you know, into the, into the jazz stuff as well. I just stopped listening to pop music. So just a massive gap. And my, when my brother was into, my brother was into like the Smiths and he was into the Happy Mondays, all the Manchester scene stuff. He was into all that music. I never listened to any of that music. I, I wasn't remotely interested, you know. So it's funny, isn't it? How, you know, um, then you do these gigs now, like that gig I did a couple of weeks ago, a lot of those tunes, the pop tunes, a lot of them I should should know. So you're reading these gigs, you're like, I don't know this music, you know, oh, that's a nightmare, you know, and it's fine if you can read and, you know, you've got a good bass player and stuff. And But sometimes it's things come back and bite you, you know, because you, there's a specific drum part, isn't there, in a lot of these tunes, and if you don't get the style of it right, then it just doesn't sound, you know, doesn't sound right. If you don't know the, you know, if you don't know Ringo, you don't know the Beatles, you don't know Charlie, the, the Stones, you know, if you don't know those players or Bonham or whatever, you know, they've all got a, a kind of specific thing, you know, or like the, you know, the, the, the Detroit, the Motown thing or the Philly thing, you know, those kind of, you know, that, that kind of sound, those kind of groove players. I mean, they're a bit closer to me because I think like a lot of those drummers played traditional grip in the studios. They played dynamically in the room because of the, the way that the stuff was recorded. So I always feel like I can kind of get closer to that thing, don't rimshot the snare. And, you know, like Charlie Watts played, you know, he played straight up and down, traditional grip. Um, it's, it's a beautiful sound with that and it's, it's about not over it's about delivering the groove in, in, a, in a musical way I always think you know so um, but anyway yeah I think um, oh, we've been yeah been nearly an hour now so I'm going to shut up and um, yeah hopefully that was interesting and um, thanks for listening and I'll be back again yeah very soon so nice one bye for now <laughs>